Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. I'll be honest with you, I don't know what day it is some days. And I said that before on the show, but this week, man, it just really messed with me. I, I, like yesterday, I thought it was Sunday. But it wasn't, it was Tuesday. And then I'm like, oh, i got to get up and record a show today. But isn't it Monday? No, it's Wednesday. So we're that much closer to the weekend. A lot of things to talk about. A lot of things have transpired. Today's going to be a pretty serious show. I... Honestly, thought about uh, scrapping the top ten list, but I didn't. But I was going through it. Some somebody had asked me if I would give my top ten Madonna songs, and I, and I thought about it. I really did. I gave I gave I gave it a long look, and I said, you know, I'm I'm not going to do this. Not today, especially. I might do it a different day. I can't tell you what number one would be. I know what it would be, but I'm not going to tell you. But one of the most underrated Madonna tracks to. Uh, that doesn't get a lot of talk is uh, causing a commotion from the Who's That Girl soundtrack. So you know that I've done my work here. Somebody else said, hey, Steve, what about some of these great 80s stars? What about some of their movies? Well, the problem with that is, is outside of a handful of, of stars in the 80s, they, they didn't have a huge catalog. I even looked at Ralph Macchio movies, and I could only find about five or six. And that included having to use Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3. But I do love uh, the Crossroads movie, you know, with Steve Vai. That's the one about where... Uh, Ralph is uh, Eugene Martone. He's a classically trained guitar player, and he uh, comes to Mississippi to learn about the blues and finds Jamie Gertz, who was um, certainly my 80s crush from the movies. But I just couldn't pull the trigger on that. So we're going to talk about some other things today. But uh, it is a um, certainly a day that we've got a lot. Uh, there are some old familiar feelings of resentment that have reared their head, that have kind of have us talking a lot less about the virus from, uh, you know, that, that has caused the quarantine and is talking more about the virus that has plagued our state for, you know, over a century. So we're going to get into some of that. I know many of you are very concerned about some things. You have questions. I'm going to also do a Facebook Live show tonight. And I'll answer your questions there. I know many of you have turned out for that. And, and if you have not been a person that has attended the Facebook Live shows, let me encourage you to do so. Go to Facebook right now. We'll pause the show. Pause the show and go to Facebook and go to Mississippi State Bulldogs on 247 Sports and like our page there. Like the page. And then I will do a Facebook Live show there tonight to answer your questions. I won't have a lot to say other than your questions. It'll be a you know, a user-led show, because I know many of you are very concerned and you'd like to know what's going on, and I will do my best to, to get you up to speed today here, but there may be other developments that, that occur throughout the day. I have been on the phone all morning talking with people, collecting information, comparing notes with people, some very familiar people, and uh, so we're gathering information. A lot of people are angry today. A lot of people angry. And there's some other people that are somewhat gleeful, and I don't think they should be. We're going to get into that later in the show. 
I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, man. Very happy to have them as part of the, the, uh, the Boneyard family. Bulldog Burger Company, open to serve you now in two locations, right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas, the flagship, and then on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Great people, great food, great restaurant-quality hamburgers, and so much more. It's a great night out for the family. It's a good night off for mom if you want to get it to go order. I know people that's kind of become in vogue now. People are like used to getting curbside service. If you'd like to continue that, Bulldog Burger is happy to serve you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, the big story, and uh, we broke it yesterday over on jeanspage.com. If you're not a member, you darn well should be. Began to get some murmurings on Monday. And I kind of mentioned some of it on Monday on the show without mentioning his name, that there may be some other players entered the transfer portal because I had heard some things that were somewhat troubling but didn't have it kind of nailed down yet. And so yesterday began to kind of get somewhere and uh, got some information. The Jarian Jones was very much considering entering into the NCAA transfer portal and going to Ole Miss. And so – those are the things that we're going to talk a lot about today. What does that mean? What's the realistic possibility of this happening? What do we do next? What can Mississippi State do to combat it? Are there any consequences here? Has there been malfeasance? We're going to get into all that stuff today. So, so get comfortable. And I know there are probably a lot of rival fans listening to this show, and I knew that you would come back. I knew that you would. I knew that you would come back because whenever there is truth to be known, I know that you come to me. This is where truth lives, right here, the boneyard. I, le- I held your hand and led you through the labyrinth of misinformation perpetuated by your own media people and told you that there was a major investigation being conducted in almost football. There was. It was much more than women's basketball and track. So welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So Yesterday, I kind of get the news that uh, this thing is going to happen. So I went on the message board at Gene's page and said, hey, listen, here's what I'm hearing. It's a possibility he's going to do this. Then I found out that he had actually um, inquired about the process, you know, what do I need to do? And a lot of people don't fully appreciate this. So I'm, I want to explain a little bit about – I'm not going to bore you with it, but I'm going to give you kind of the primer about the way this deal works with the transfer portal. Okay, years ago – you know, you had to go notify a coach or somebody in compliance or whatever and ask for your release. And then there was kind of a conditional release of sorts where it's like they put some restrictions on where you could transfer to. So you couldn't transfer to like, let's let's say, an in-conference team or a future opponent. Well, the NCAA has now said, hey, listen, we're going to remove that provision. And so any player that wants to transfer anywhere can you don't even have to go to the school. You just go through the NCAA transfer portal and put it in there. And then, then schools can begin to contact you. And so you cannot be contacted uh, by, a, by another institution until you're in the transfer portal. Like you, you can't like have uh, you know, contact an old coach that was recruiting you and say, hey, listen, coach, uh, I'm going to be going to the portal. Would I have an offer from you guys? That, those, those conversations are improper. But once you enter the portal – you would then become a recruitable athlete again. And, uh, and so then, you know, schools can contact you, and uh, it is then permissible for them to have, you know, conversations with you about potentially joining their program. Jari and Jones is now the fourth Mississippi State player that has entered the transfer portal since the uh, global pandemic began. Of course, Fabian Lovett entered the uh, – Entered the portal and uh, referenced the, uh, the you know the, the infamous tweet that so many people have made it an issue with, and I'm not going to take an opinion about that one way or another. It's a very uh, you know saucy issue, to say the least. But Fabian went first, and then announced that he was going to go to Florida State. I am hearing now that he's headed to Ole Miss, and so I, I actually put that in a Jari and Jones story yesterday. That's the information that I have is that he is expected to to, uh, to sign on and enroll at Ole Miss. Uh, unless some things change. And that's one thing that's constant in life is change. But uh, as of now, it appears that he is leaning towards going to Ole Miss and reuniting with Deke Adams there. And uh, Deke got a lot out of Fabian Lovett last year. It's one of the things that I'm not a big fan of. You know, it's like when guys get ready to leave, people say, well, they weren't that good anyway. Listen, we we don't need to lose any players. I mean, honestly. 
at any point. There's been never a point where we'd say, you know what, we've got more than enough guys. You go ahead and go. No, that's not the case. Fabian Lovin's a good player. Uh, I don't know that he's handled this thing especially well. But, you know, to suggest that he is not talented is just disingenuous. I think Fabian Lovett is a very good player. Uh, he was probably going to have to work harder than ever before with this group. But, uh, you know, he, listen, he made a decision for whatever reasons that he made them for. Uh, I do know that there are some other issues related to that, that uh, withdrawal from Mississippi State that have not been made public. And maybe they will at some point. We'll see how things progress. But, uh, but all that being said, Fabian was the first one to go. And then Brevin Jones. And if you recall, there were some people in the media, even when Brevin Jones announced his decision, that uh, tried to kind of make it more about the leech stuff, and that wasn't the case. And to Brevin Jones' credit, Brevin Jones says, hey, you know, listen, yeah, I was kind of surprised by that, but listen, I was leaving anyway. And the truth of the matter is, is with this change in offensive philosophy, with us going to really more of these mammoth, you know, offensive linemen, you know, these absolute, you know, Goliath-type linemen, Brevin Jones is probably a guy that was going to have a difficult time playing here and you only get a short time in life to play ball so I don't blame him for leaving and so he's headed to Illinois wish him the best he is a great kid I mean he really is he is a great young man I think he probably was a bit of a reach for Mississippi State on a recruiting standpoint I always kind of fashioned him more as a G5 player and then State makes a move and gets him basically as a center and then there's talk about him going playing right tackle I just don't think you know with his size and length he was going to be able to play tackle in a Southeastern Conference. That's not to say that he won't be a good player somewhere else. I just don't think that that, that was a good fit here. And, again, absolutely wish him the best. I don't have any hard feelings against any of these young men. And then Stuart Reese, it's been in the wind for about a year. And I credit Paul Jones. Paul was the first one that kind of mentioned it to me, you know, last year, that Stuart Reese was a guy that uh, had kind of kicked around the idea of uh, – you know, possibly taking advantage of the grad transfer situation once he had his degree. So this is not something that has just come out of left field. I know some people are trying to suggest that, uh, oh, well, this is all just kind of, uh, you, know, you know, going crazy here and it's all rolling downhill. That's really not the case. Um, you know, th- I think the Fabian Lovett thing is kind of a direct result of, of the coaching change, you know, be that as it may. But I think, you know, Stuart Reese, again, this is something moving closer to home. And let's be honest, as bad as we're going to miss the guy, you know, because that's a lot of SEC snaps walking out of the door. Uh, you know, he's getting a chance to go closer to home. And, uh, and people say, you know, playing with his brother, I don't know how significant that is. But I think after what we've all gone through the last three months, you look at this and say, hey, being close to home is not a bad deal. So no bad feelings about Stu Reese. You know, Stu Reese didn't also didn't have the opportunity to work through spring practice with his coaches and kind of build bonds. You know, bonds in football and sports and athletics are built through sweat and shared stress. And if you don't have an opportunity to get out there and work together and kind of figure these things out, and this is how the guy coaches, and this is I can count on him, it's difficult to build those bonds. And let's be honest, this new staff at Mississippi State has not had a lot of time around the players, and I think that is a factor in some of these transfer decisions. It's one thing to transfer, you know, a guy that you talk to on the phone, another guy that's been, out, been to war with you. It's a little more difficult to walk out on that relationship, but uh, that's part of the deal. And now Jarian's in there, and there, there's a lot, a lot of chatter about this Jarian Jones thing. I mean, there is a ton of conversation about has there been tampering on behalf of Ole Miss? And so I don't have any facts about that. I mean, I I have seen the message board speculation. I have seen the things on social media. And I have talked to people with some knowledge of the situation. And here is what I will tell you. Mississippi State is taking steps to protect the Mississippi State program. Mississippi State is doing their due diligence. There is going to be an investigation of sorts. I don't think it necessarily rises to the level of an NCAA investigation. But I think Mississippi State is going to protect the program and do everything they can to ensure that they have not been victimized by either Ole Miss staffers, coaches, boosters, or whatever. And I think you have to kind of put your foot down now when you look at all this stuff because if you don't, it could have an epidemic of sorts. And There's rumors out there about a party that some of our players were invited to attend. Some went, some didn't go. Uh, and then next thing you know, you find out that Jari and Jones rumored to have spent, you know, a few days in Oxford here recently. And that, that's certain, the optics on that are certainly awful, absolutely awful. Then all of a sudden he's in the transfer portal. Uh, it's just one of those deals you look at and you kind of shake your head and, and you think, okay, what's, what's happening here? 
So Mississippi State folks are not just sitting over there in the Bryan building kind of letting the world pass them by. Uh, they are working to ensure that nothing improper has taken place here. Now, if you want to ask me, Steve, what do you think? What I think and what I can prove are probably two different things. I, I think there is probably something going on here that is worthy of some very serious questions being asked. I, I was informed earlier today that the SEC office has been notified about the situation and that they will be looking into the matter. And those are the things you begin to look at, too. And let's, you know, let's, it's one of those things, too, and let's just take the Ole Miss part of it out of the equation. Let's say that Jari and Jones ends up transferring to another SEC school. Well, let's just say it's LSU. Then you've got three players within the conference that have left Mississippi State that are going to transfer within the conference to other SEC schools during a dead period. You know, the SEC office should be involved in that. The SEC should ask questions about all of that. And then let's say, for an example, you get two of those guys going to Ole Miss, you know, then I think you begin to ask, you know, it raises an eyebrow probably a little bit steeper. You know, what's, what's really happening here? And so there, there are a lot of people with a lot of opinions, and I don't know a lot of the facts just yet. I know many of you, you know, you've got you know, emotionally we get involved in this, and the first thing that happens is when you've, you know, you've got the pictures of Jari and Jones uh, wearing Ole Miss regalia and being in Oxford and it infuriates you, and for a lot of reasons. But the first thing that I will say about that, Jari and Jones is a very good football player, and he was a big leader in the Mississippi State recruiting class. Uh, Jari was kind of a captain. And if you recall in the final seconds of the Egg Bowl last year, Jari and Jones goes rushing across the field uh, to kind of talk some trash to Ole Miss and had to be restrained. Yeah, this is a guy that was true maroon, and next thing you know, something like this happens, and it's it's going to um, it's going to elicit an emotional response from people because most people believe Jari and Jones is true maroon. I've had people send me old tweets of his, you know, about him talking trash about Ole Miss and talking about Mississippi State. I mean, that, that's who he has been, and so. I, I'm not a fan of our fans going on Twitter and then like telling Jari and Jones good riddance. You know that. You know, here's the deal. What, what if he gets home today and says, "You know what? I think I've made a mistake," and removes his name from the portal and says, "Hey, I'm going to stay here at Mississippi State." That's always a possibility. Now I've been told that his mind is pretty much made up. He wants to kind of move on, but. Jarian is an emotional guy. There, you know, remember, he was leaning to Mississippi State and then committed to Oklahoma. People forget that. And then there was all the discussion. He was going to go to Ole Miss. Then he didn't. Then he committed to Mississippi State. Then there was this talk that Ole Miss is going to try to flip him late. And, and that's one of the things that I want to get into, too. I, I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate kind of the desperation that many Ole Miss people must feel right now. It's not the kind of things they talk about at cocktail parties and their group texts and that kind of stuff because everybody has all this bravado. But let's go back. Let's go back here six months. Six months ago. When Lane Kiffin was hired at Ole Miss, the first thing that many of them said, man, he's a great recruiter. Completely false. Completely false. Lane has not been one of those guys that's kind of set the woods on fire recruiting. Now, that's not to say that he didn't work at it, and that's not to say that he didn't surround himself with great recruiters, but he's not at Orgeron. He had the benefit of at Orgeron a couple times, but he's not at Orgeron. And so... Back in December, that was the big talking point. That was the Ole Miss talking point is that Kiffin was going to come out and they, they went full bore in a handful of Mississippi State commitments, including Emmanuel Forbes, tried to get him to flip, could not get him to flip. And I remember having a conversation with Joe Moorhead, and I know some people think, you know, well, Steve, you know, Joe's gone now, so we shouldn't talk about him. Now, I'm gonna, this is important. And I talked to Joe, and um, – I used to hear from Joe pretty regularly uh, during football season. But, uh, you know, I made him aware of the fact that there was some, you know, people saying, hey, this kid's going to flip or whatever. And Joe made a comment with a colorful word and says, they're not going to get any of our kids. They're not going to get any of our kids. And Joe didn't get out there on Twitter. Joe didn't get out there and run his mouth. Joe didn't draw attention to himself. Joe just went and did his job, and on December, every single kid committed to Mississippi State signed. Because all those folks that tried to get the state kids to commit to flip to Ole Miss, once they saw they couldn't get them to flip, 
They tried very, very hard to get them to prolong the process. And so, you know what, maybe if you're not ready to flip, if you still want to sign with State, they'll wait for you. You can sign in February, but at least give Coach Kiffin and Ole Miss a chance to host you on a visit. And then if you don't like it, go on to Mississippi State. Well, they couldn't even get that done. So they couldn't get them to flip. They couldn't get them to wait. And then you begin to think about what else is going on in recruiting. Look at, you know, look at where we are right now in recruiting. It's May. It's May 20th. And it's not a typical recruiting cycle because you hadn't had unofficial visits. You didn't have a spring evaluation period. We, we, we've documented all that, right? But here we are. And Ole Miss on May 20th has three commitments. And one of those is talking about reopening the process. So you got three commitments right now. And so it's like I go back and I think about, okay, there was this talking point that, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin's going to come in here and just revolutionize recruiting in the state of Mississippi. And then Joe Moorhead punked him out. Joe Moorhead made him cry uncle in December. And all those fat cats that were out there trying to be involved themselves in recruiting. And they couldn't get it done. So then all of a sudden, okay, well, listen, we just didn't have time. We didn't have time. So let's get in it. We get, we're gonna, listen, we're going to set the woods on fire, man. We're going to do it. And then you look here at May 20th, and you got three kids committed, and one of those two is talking about flipping. You know, and so this is a fan base and a recruiting machine badly in need of some juice. So what do you do? Well, it's clear at this point that, uh, you know, some of the folks up there are having difficulty recruiting without having some help. And so the next thing you know, you have these things that kind of pop up. And so this, again, this is something that is very concerning. It is something that uh, is getting its due attention. There there are so many people, too, and and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to preach a little bit about it, and I guess we'll pass an offer and play it around later. But but I guess that's a different fan base, isn't it? But but be it as it may, um, a lot of people look to blame Mississippi State first. A lot of Mississippi State people say, oh, well, you know, we should have done this, we should have done that. You know, on Monday, Mississippi State was made aware that Jari and Jones had been in Oxford and that there was talk that he may enter the Portland transfer. And Jari and Jones was contacted by Mississippi State staffers, and he assured them that he wasn't transferring anywhere and he was true maroon. Now, here we are on Wednesday, and uh, it's a different deal. And so it's one of those things when you talk to kids and, and they're your players, and they're like, yeah, listen, everything is fine, and then you find out unless 24 hours later things are not fine, uh, you got to ask some questions. You got to ask some questions. And so there are a lot of people that are celebrating. That's the thing, too, is like, if you weren't involved in it, why are you celebrating the kid going into the portal? Because I remember reading that you guys didn't want him in the first place. But now I have people are, you know, celebrating. And so, look, we're going we're gonna to go out there and kind of show Mississippi State who's boss. They couldn't do it in December, couldn't do it in November either. Uh, and so now it's like, well, you know, we'll go do this. And that's the thing that I begin to kind of ask myself is if you can't do it on the field and you can't do it legally on the recruiting trail, and if you gotta, if you got to cut corners to do it, are you really that good? Are you really that good? I think not. I want to remind you, too, our good friends over at Hawthorne.co, this is a stinky situation. They'll make you and it feel and smell so much better. Visit them at Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. The absolute best cologne that I've ever worn. I get compliments on it every time I go somewhere, and people are like, man, Steve, it's great. What is that? Men and women. It's great. Uh, Go by, take their test. Visit them again at hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co, and then you can take their quiz, and then they will send you the scents that fit your preferences. Nobody ever told me how to buy cologne. I just kind of bought what, what the dad bought, right? And then all of a sudden you find out that your girlfriend likes something, so you switch over to that, you know. This is what best suits me. And uh, I've never felt better, never smelt better. I encourage you yourself. We'll save you a little cash, too. Use promo code BONEYARD. That's right, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D, when you visit them, hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. So let me give you a quick top ten list, and we're going to get back to some of this because I don't want, I don't want to miss this. But um, it's a little different top ten list. It's not my favorites, but I wanted to mention some things about this because – You know, we have spent a lot of time talking about passing. And uh, when you look at the Mississippi State passing records, it is a much different deal for us than it is many others because of the fact that uh, we have not been a passing school more times than not. We have been a run school. Dan Mullen made us 
pretty balanced at times, but even then his spread offense was kind of predicated on a quarterback run. So I'm going to run you through the top 10 passing seasons in Mississippi State history. And every one of these is – every year that Mike Leach is here, one of these is going to drop off the list, all right? Because, I mean, when you look at our passing records, in many respects it's kind of anemic. The number 10 passing season all time at Mississippi State – 1993, Ty Jordan, 1,935 yards. That's right, not even 2,000. That's number 10 in all time history. Was not a good year for us. Ty Jordan, of course, uh, sound Mississippi State, big-time player. We didn't have a lot of supporting cast around him. Kind of got caught in transition after Sleepy left. Didn't have a lot of pass catchers initially. But then a guy named Molds came along and started doing some big things. But, we, you know, 93 wasn't a great year for us. You know, we – what did we win? Three games that year? We beat, yeah, we beat Tulane. We beat uh, South Carolina. And then we beat Ole Miss. We were later awarded a forfeit over Alabama. And, again, we were actually pretty competitive in. But offensively, we weren't really strong that year. We did just enough to win. Eric Molds, of course, scores a big touchdown on a flea flicker. As a matter of fact, he talks about that in the forthcoming Stark Villains book. Uh, but, yeah, it wasn't a great year for us. But uh, Todd Jordan, despite the fact that we won just three games, has a top ten all-time season at Mississippi State uh, passing-wise. And, again, that's if there's nothing else that I say that illustrates that point better than that, you know, I don't know what it'll be. Uh, number nine on the list is the 2013 season for Dak Prescott. And you may recall that 2013 year, Dak wasn't the starter initially. That's when Tyler Russell got hurt. And then you're kind of back and forth with Tyler. And I interviewed Tyler here about a month ago, and he talked about how banged up he was that year, and a lot of people didn't realize how bad it was. And so, Dak, you're kind of coming on late as the starter, and you recall he missed the Alabama game. He had a great game against A&M, missed the Arkansas game, but yet he still had the number nine passing season all-time at Mississippi State, 1,940 yards. We did go to a bowl game that year. We're 6-6 six and six that year. We won the Egg Bowl. I don't know if you guys remember that. We won the Egg Bowl. The number eight season, Kevin Fant, 2003, and that's, that's Jackie Sherrill's last year here. And, uh, again, a bad year, and we were behind a lot that year. We really struggled to have an identity. That's one of the things Coach Sherrill had been through so much. You had this uh, NCAA cloud. You had the private investigators from you know, Ole Miss Boosters for paying those guys, and Coach Sherrill's – Lovely wife Peggy had gotten cancer, and, and Coach's uh, brother had died, and Coach had to make the decision to pull the plug. And so it was, uh, it was an emotional time for Coach. We didn't have a good year at all. But Kevin Fant puts his name in the record books. Kevin's a great guy. Still see him out on the recruiting trail every now and again when I get down to go cover games on the coast. He was the first guy to tell me about Brad Cumbust when Brad was a junior receiver there at, uh, at East Central. I was there to watch our offensive lineman play. And Kevin fans said, hey, we got a kid's receivers pretty good. Now, Cummins is a two-sport player here at Mississippi State. Number seven on the list, another good year for a player, but a bad year for Mississippi State. 1995 for Derek Tate. It was an awful year. It really was an awful year for us. I mean, and that was the thing, too, that you, you go back and look at some of these years. You know, again, we, we were a, a rushing team. And we kind of threw it out of necessity in these years that we were behind a lot. And so, um, you know, Tate, great athlete, guy that worked really hard for Mississippi State uh, and, had, you know, had some, some good teams around him. You know, that 94 team was an excellent team. I've talked about that on the show here before. But you in 95, you know, we beat Memphis. And then we beat Baylor. And then uh, we take down Kentucky. And that's it. You know, in the last three games of the year, offensively, we were awful. Lose the Egg Bowl 13 to 10 in 95. It's dreadful. Any year we lose to Ole Miss is one we, you know, we're going to wish we we hadn't. But uh, but that's it. You know, that's, that's another one of those years. I think we're 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 kind of we're throwing the ball out of necessity. And so 95 is another one of those years where we we put some some big numbers up, but didn't put many W's up. 85, number six, Don Smith. 2,332 yards for Don. Great year for him. We went six and five. We beat Tennessee. Donovan was a true true dual threat quarterback. Went to the NFL. Played for the Buffalo Bills as a running back. Number five on the list: Nick Fitzgerald, two thousand four hundred and thirteen yards. His best year as a passer. 
in 2016. You may remember that's the uh, five and seven APR year. We destroy Ole Miss 55-20 in Oxford and then get to go to the St. Petersburg Bowl, and we win thanks to Nelson Adams uh, blocking a field goal there in the uh, the final minute or so. And so um, Nick, his best year as a passer was the worst year record-wise of his career here at Mississippi State as a starter. Number four on the list, and a name that doesn't get a lot of recognition anymore because a lot of people that were fans back then have kind of moved on and they're not active in social media but that's Dave Marler, man. Dave Marler was the guy at Mississippi State, you know, and played for you know Coach Tyler. They had, uh, you know, they had some up and down years, but they go six and five that year. It's Coach Tyler's sixth year, but we get off to a pretty good start. You know, we take down uh, West Texas State. That's right, take that, and then we go beat North Texas State in Irving, Texas, and then we go win on the road at Memphis. So we're three and zero right out of the gate, having already played a couple of road games. And then we get into SEC play, and Florida rips us. But a little bit later, we beat Florida State 55-27. That's right. Number 15, Florida State, comes to start Vegas. Dave and the boys beat them 55-27. Then we go to Memphis and play Tennessee in Liberty Bowl. We take them down 34-21. So it's looking good. You know, we're 5-2 and two through seven games. And then we get smashed by Alabama, and then Auburn beats us at Scott Field six to nothing. It's reminiscent of that three-two game, right? At least we scored in that game. Uh, but you know that was a deal. You know we were competitive in a lot of these games. We beat LSU, number seventeen LSU, and then lose to Ole Miss twenty-seven to seven. We still had a winning season. Didn't go to a bowl game, but uh, you know some some highlights that year. But Dave Marler is one of those guys. They put up some big numbers for Mississippi State, and uh, I don't know that he gets enough respect around here. Number three on the list, another name of a contemporary player, Tyler Russell. His best year, 2012, that's a we believe year in case you've forgotten, 2,897 yards, and then you know things kind of fell apart after we lost Alabama. It's like the, the air was kind of let out of our sails a little bit. Tyler Russell, I don't know that he gets enough respect for what he did here. He was the leading pass. He, he left Mississippi State as the leading passer in school history for a single season. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things you kind of look at. You wonder why we didn't appreciate him more when we had him. But the number two and number one season held by the same guy, and you know it before I even say it, it's Dak Prescott. 2014 year, 3,449 yards, and then 3,793 in 2015. And that's the thing people forget, too. Dak's accuracy wasn't great. That was the big talking point back then is, well, Dak's got to improve on his accuracy. And there were times he did kind of – the ball placement was off a little bit and he would take a chance depending on the guy to go make a play for him. Uh, but, you know, Dak on there, three of the top ten seasons in Mississippi State history as a passer owned by Dak Prescott. So, I again, I expect every one of those to fall off at some point. My hope is they all do. I, I hope Mike Leach – Maybe for the next 10 years, he just sets a new school record every single year. I want to remind you, our good friends at Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show, had some friends of mine go in there and buy some, some merchandise a couple days ago. They're open and ready to serve you. If you can't make it to town or perhaps you're not ready to get out and kind of shop you know, in person, you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. But being a loyal Boneyard listener will give you a phrase that pays, and that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Mom, Dad, we're getting ready to go to the beach. We'd all love to have a new Mississippi State shirt to wear. Or get us a, that nice M over S hat. There's n- that's the most recognizable Mississippi State logo there is, is M over S. I know some other people have tried to kind of duplicate that. That is uniquely ours. Get everybody a visor, a hat, a shirt, or whatever, and wear that proudly. Wear the M over S and let everybody know where you stand with the Bulldogs. All right, so let's get into this. Okay, so what can Mississippi State do? Like, let's just say for an example, hypothetically, let's say there has been tampering uh, with some of the situations with these transfers. Well, there's a couple things that I'll share with you. So back in uh, a couple years ago, when, when they opened up a transfer portal, they made the consequences for tampering a little more difficult. Now, there are not a lot of tampering cases that have gone before the NCAA uh, in the last generation or so. I am told to expect that to change 
because of the fact the NCAA removed so many of the restrictions regarding transfers that it needed to make the penalties for tampering greater because of the fact that there's just no need to do it anymore. You know, you don't have to work the back channels and deal with a high school coach and that sort of stuff because of the fact that uh, once a kid of his own volition can enter the transfer portal without any bureaucracy, without any school impeding his progress, he or she's progress, uh, there's just no need to tramp. There's no need to tamper. And so here is uh, how that works, okay? So and I want to I'm going to read this directly from the legislation because I don't want there to be any, mis- I don't, any misconceptions here. Because there's a lot of people out there that think they, it's like they've got this mentality of the cat's in the bag and the bag's in the river. Well, you might want to be careful about that because there's one more than, there's more than a way to skin a cat, as they say. So here's the, one of the most important parts of this. An athletic staff member or other representative of the institution's athletics interest. So right out of the gate, there are a lot of people that think, okay, tampering is just limited to coaches. You're absolutely wrong absolutely wrong in that respect and and it's more egregious if a coach is involved however your school can be put on probation and sanctioned for tampering if you as a booster involve yourself in the process and kind let's just say for an example that i was enrolled at mississippi state and that i was the quarterback and let's say that some booster i don't know from some from our school i don't know let's just use old miss and uh, that, that booster contacted me and said, hey, listen, if you'd want to go to Ole Miss, we'd have an offer for you. Now, I wouldn't be interested in going. However, that person would have just committed an NCAA violation. It is not limited to the coaches. It is also interesting to note that players are also considered representatives of an institution's athletics interest. So anybody that benefits or has a rooting interest in a school's athletic performance is considered what it boils down to being a booster, whether you give money or not. That's one of the reasons they change the verbiage in that because people say, well, I'm not a booster because I don't donate any money. I'm not part of the booster club. I'm cheap, so I'm not a booster. So they made the broader language to be more encompassing because what would happen is they would say, okay, well, well, I gave money, but my neighbor didn't, and so I had him contact the kid or whatever. And so they're using that, so, you know, so they say ambiguity favors that person. So they, they kind of put it in a situation where the NCAA has not painted themselves in a corner. So if anybody involved with a school in any way whatsoever, officially or unofficially, contacts a player on another roster and, and basically recruits him to their school, it is a violation. Let's go a little deeper here. So that person shall not make contact with the student athlete of another division NCAA Division I institution directly or indirectly without first obtaining authorization through the notification of transfer process. So what that means is, and this is, again, a lot of people have kind of put themselves in a situation where I don't think they fully appreciate the consequences of their actions. So they say, well, I didn't contact the kid directly. I contacted his friend, or I contacted his high school coach, or I contacted his mom, or I work with his aunt. If you or anybody contact anybody in a circle of influence of a student athlete and encourage that person to deliver a message on your behalf or to exert any influence that they may have, you have now committed a tampering violation. So it's not limited to the coaches, because that's the thing. And and I think in some of these cases, there are some situations where you've had coaches that have continued to text or contact their former players. And so that relationship is then improper as well. And so let's say, you know, a former coach has just been texting and check up on his players. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's a violation. And so what's the the consequences for that? So... I'm going to get a little deeper in this here. Coaches who attempt to recruit a student athlete already enrolled at a four-year institution will now be charged with a level two violation, where in the past it was a level three violation. And so a level two violation, of course, is just right beneath beneath the the level ones. You guys know you're familiar with level ones. Those are things that get you in, you know, 
you know, lack of institutional control and things like that. This level ones, we're kind of familiar with that with recent state history. But level two is a significant breach of conduct. It includes uh, penalties with multiple recruiting, financial aid, eligibility violations, lack of institutional control, that sort of stuff. Uh, it doesn't rise to that level. But it can also bring personal sanctions for a coach where you could have a coach. That, and let's say, for example, let's just, I mean, let's just spitballing here. Let's say, for example, you had a coach that was trying to get a player to leave one division, one school for another. Well, then let's say the NCAA or, I don't know, perhaps a conference office could kind of step in and say, listen, guys, there is clear evidence here of, uh, of tampering, so you're not going to be able to recruit this player. You're not going to be able to let this player visit. You're not going to be able to sign them. You can have no further contact. That could happen. Because a lot of people put these plans in motion and they think, okay, as long as nobody says anything, we're okay. But the problem with that is there are some people that fall in love with what they know and they can't wait to brag to their friends. And so just kind of let that kind of sit there for a grenade for a little while on the desk and just kind of contemplate that. There are a lot of people that simply can't help themselves. And even though they're part of these grand conspiracies and they're on the inner circle and they've got access, they can't help themselves. They simply cannot prevent themselves from bragging to somebody else, hey, look, this is going to happen, and here's what I did, and here's what I know. And so I just hope those people, I don't, I don't mean that, I don't hope that they've covered their tracks, but that there will be an opportunity for them to probably prove that they have or have not covered their tracks. And so it is important to kind of understand this is an NCAA matter if there has been malfeasance. This is a matter that uh, is probably a little more technical than some people realize. Because it's not as simple as, okay, well, this coach contacted this guy before they entered the portal. That's pretty cut and dry. It's like, you know what, hey, if they did that, that's a clear violation. Uh, most people would self-report that and self-sanction and be done with it. However, when you, when you have third parties that get involved, when you have third parties that get involved, and there are some programs that, you know, not too far from us, that, that are they're on record through their own former personnel admitting that they have a booster problem, that the culture regarding their booster, uh, I think the, the phrase that I used in Flim Flam was a culture of noncompliance. When you have people that are involved with a culture of noncompliance, you know, they begin to think they've got the world by the, the string, and they think, okay, well, we'll just do this. But if anybody connected to them contacts a player on their behalf in effort to recruit that player, then there is a big issue here. And so... Uh, I don't know if that's the case. Don't know it. You hear a lot of things. You talk to enough people, you can hear whatever you want. But I do know that this is something that is being looked into. I do know that this is a situation that uh, some questions are being asked. There are a lot of people that are going to have to say, okay, well, listen, here's, you know, here's what we did. I don't know what happened everywhere else, but here's what we did. And one of the things that I have learned about life is that um, when you can't watch everybody, it's time to watch out. And generally when people are quiet, you know, when people that are normally conspirators and that sort of stuff, when they work kind of behind the scenes, when they get quiet, it means they're working. It means they're after something devious. There's never any peace. You know, there's never a ceasefire. You know what I'm saying? There's never a time. And that's the thing that I laugh about. There's so many people. And I shared this on the Gene Space message board earlier. I had this conversation with Jim Moorhead a couple years ago. Every coach, I think, has come to Mississippi State, whenever we've talked about the rivalry, whenever they get here, you know, and, and over time, over the course of the first year or so, they you always mention that the, the talk of the rivalry comes up. And they all tell me, oh, yeah, I've, I've coached in rivalries my whole life. I've all, I know a lot about rivalries. I get it. I understand it. You know, you guys aren't going to teach me anything. I remember Dan Mullen's big thing was BYU and Utah. Oh, yeah, I've had to deal with all that before. And then they all leave here saying, you know what, I've never seen anything like this before. I have people in our industry, people that work around the country, that say, man, my job is so boring compared to yours. You know, it's so easy. You just go, you know, you sign the kids and you cover the kids and you get a picture and, and you're done. And he goes, you know, we don't have all these flips and these, you know, change of ideas and that sort of stuff. You don't have all this other stuff. You know, in this state... And I would say we're probably on the business end of this more so than the other side. But in this state, there is a battle that is waged every single day. We are always at war. I know some other people would say, well, you know, Steve, I've got a lot of old Miss friends. Okay, that's you. And that's fine. Whatever you want to do. 
but Mississippi State and Ole Miss play the Egg Bowl every single day. We don't play the ball game every day. One day it's about recruiting. The next day it's about marketing. One day it's about a tennis match, whatever. But the rivalry exists every single day. Now, whether you participate in that banter or in that line of thinking is completely up to you. But every Mississippi State coach, player, administrator, every day that they wake up, they rise under the understanding that there is somebody out there on the other side of the rivalry that is looking to embarrass them. Always. There is a sense of self-entitlement and a will to power on the Ole Miss side that, you know, that they wish Mississippi State did not exist. They would love to be LSU. And that's one of the things that's so funny. They call themselves that LSU is their real rival. No, LSU is their idol. They would love to be able to be the dominant school in their state that all kids grow up wanting to play for. But that's not the case because Mississippi State has been the maroon fly in the rebel ointment. And so what happens is, you know, they would like to fashion themselves at LSU or maybe even Tennessee, you know, but that's not the life they've lived in. You know, in their minds, they, they see themselves on that level, and then we're here to kind of remind them that they're not. Not to mention the fact, too, that I, what's it been over 1,600 days since Ole Miss has appeared in the ball game? they got the longest bowl drought in the SEC currently. Everybody else in the SEC has been to the bowl game since then. And it's so interesting we get in this talk about, well, you know, you know, we had a kid sleep on a couch. That's, yeah, it's true, you did. You had another guy give a kid $10,000. You had another guy that arranged for the ACT to be fixed. You know, we could keep going. I'm not going to rehash all that stuff. But this is the understanding about the rivalry. And I get so, I get so tickled with these people, these carpetbaggers that come in from out of state. And they go work at the Clarion Ledger or somewhere like that. They're just passing through. It's just a stop on the career path for them. And then they get here, and the intensity of this thing is unlike anything they've ever seen. And they're like, oh, well, it's just so toxic. You know, listen, it's always been this way. It's always going to be this way. It's never going to change. Because it's not a fight about a football game. That's what people don't seem to understand. It is a battle between ideals in this state. There is the bourgeoisie of Mississippi that wish the rest of us were just didn't exist. We're just here to kind of serve them. We're just here to kind of clothe and feed them. I mean, if, if, listen, that's one of the reasons I dedicated the whole first chapter in Stark Villains to tell the history of the rivalry. And we, are, we owe such a debt of gratitude to those early farming families, the average man in Mississippi, after the folks at Ole Miss decided, you know what, I don't want the farmer's kids going to school with my kids because we weren't good enough in their eyes. And so those early farming families decided, you know what, we still want our kids to get an education. And there were some people that lobbied the state legislature and began to fight this war of ideals and says, you know what, we don't, we, we don't want to go to school with them either. And so then Mississippi State was created in 1878, land-grant institution set right here in Starkville, Mississippi. And you know what? It wasn't even, Ole Miss wasn't even happy with that. They wanted to pick where Mississippi State was, wanted to have a say in everything. Because in their minds, they were the University of Mississippi. That's why they still call us Mississippi State College. People forget, you know, we didn't become a, you know, get university status until much later. But they still do that to kind of talk down to us with these haughty looks of derision and things of that nature. And so... With all of that, with all of the stuff that goes on in the state legislature and the back channels and all this kind of stuff and all of the things that they've done to try to give themselves every potential advantage, Mississippi State has still been the better school. When you look at my lifetime especially, and you look at the last 40, 50 years, Mississippi State has been the better school. As Dr. Zacharias once said, if they're the flagship, then we're the starship. And so to think for one second that they wouldn't, uh, that somebody involved you know, maybe would they, as a, as a booster or whatever, that somebody wouldn't, uh, you know, suggest to a kid out there, hey, we'd love to have you transfer to our school. If you don't think that's happened, you're kidding yourself. You're absolutely kidding yourself. I don't know if that's the case in this situation, but there's no shortage of people willing to help the old Miss recruiting machine whatsoever. Well, I guess it's going to do it for today. I remind you, too, I mentioned the book. Uh, I'm about five chapters away from finishing the writing process. Finished up... Uh, let me think. I did the finish the game of change up last week and then um, finished up Jerry Snorwood yesterday, 2005 Egg Bowl. And, uh, you know, one of the great recruiting stories 
of the of the of the recent era is when uh, Mississippi Governor Ronnie Musgrove at Ole Miss alum arranged for uh, you know, for Jerrigus Norwood to ride with him and his son to the Ole Miss football game in Limousine. I got Jerrigus to talk about that a little bit. You'll be interested to read about that. You can find Stark Villains and Flim Flam at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. And when we put Stark Villains 2 up for pre-order, which will happen here in a couple months, you're going to be able to pre-order it right there. It's the same website. We're not going to set up a new one. We're not going to change anything. We're not going to make you jump through hoops. It's going to be easy to find. Uh, you guys are still buying books because uh, Stark Villains last week still on the Mississippi top sellers list, still in top ten. Seven months after release, it's still in the top ten. You guys are awesome. And uh, I still get these uh, personalized order requests about once or twice a week. They bring the books by my house, and I sign them, and I mail them to you guys. So if you're still looking for personalized copies, you can get personalized copies of Flim Flim or Stark Villains at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. You can get your Stark Villains gear at StarkVillains.com. I'll be back on Wednesday, and we have no idea what's going to unfold between now and then. And as, as aggravating as this situation is, how cool is it that we're able to kind of talk about some sports and some things that really matter right now? And uh, as we get later in the week, we'll know more about what's potentially going to happen as far as report dates for the players to return, whether it be June 1st, June 15th. Uh, there's a lot going on. I got some information earlier today. Itawamba Community College, they're bringing kids back in July. They open dorms, I guess, in July. I don't remember the exact details, but ICC now talking about having uh, fall classes and bringing the kids back. And so if they're making preparations, we're making preparations – I think we, we can all feel pretty good. We're going to have some football. And I can't wait, not just because of the fact that I'm ready to have sports back, but, uh, you know, I think we need this as a people. I think it, it, whether you're state people, Ole Miss people, or whatever, and if you're Ole Miss people, I hope you lose every game you ever play in. But, but I think we all need something to kind of d- distract us from the rest of this stuff. You know, it's good to have something to look forward to, and I think football will be good for all of us. But until next time. Let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.